What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is David. It is Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Technology strikes again. Candace is having some uh, technical difficulties. She may show up during the episode. We'll see. If not, Isaac and I can hold it down. We, we've done plenty of shows, just me and him. Isaac, before we jump into these two games, man, we are approaching one of our favorite times of the year. I know you've been watching a lot of college basketball. I, I don't want to go off too much on the Tiger stuff from last night, but I, I've seen something from that Tigers game that I don't remember ever seeing in my entire life. Typically when a team gets the raw end of the deal on a bad call at the end of the game, their fans are the only ones that are pointing it out. That Tigers loss last night, it's not just Tigers fans. It's not just Memphis people. There were two players, two Tigers players calling for a timeout and neither one of the referees acknowledged it. And that turnover right there, that was a tie ball. That's what really – there were some other mistakes. There were The Tigers had plenty of opportunities to put that game away and didn't do it. But that play right there, when they did not allow them to call that timeout, that cost them the game. Do you remember ever in your lifetime seeing it where it was a universal thing outside of people that were rooting for the opposite team? Do you do you ever remember in your lifetime seeing people from multiple areas standing up for one team saying they blew that call? No, not at all. I mean, and, and that call that let you know how egregious this actually was. There's a website, I think, RockyTop.com from UT, the UT Knoxville, and you know the rivalry between Memphis and and, and Tennessee, they're never going to say anything positive about each other. They even said that Memphis got shafted in that game. So that lets you know right there how brutal that was, man. It was not, not, this is not a college basketball show or Memphis Tigers show, so we're not going to get deep into it. But just a, a tough way to end the season, man, because that team had so much promise. And then you see Purdue get knocked off by Fairleigh Dickinson, and you're thinking, okay, if we get past FAU, you got an opportunity to, to get a, a easier matchup against a 16 seed to put you in the Sweet 16. And, man, just – in an instant, man, came down to that play, man. They get the layup, and they end up winning the game. Um, as you said, man, there were a lot of other mistakes in that game. That That's not the only reason why they lost. I mean, the turnover before by Kendrick Davis, who was on one leg, by the way. So I don't – a lot of people are getting on him just um, after that game last night. And he was out there on one leg, man. I, I, I know it. he got sped up. He was worried about the 10-second violation. Ended up turning it over. They got the tie-up. Memphis was calling timeout at two players calling timeout, didn't get the timeout, man, they get the lay-in and end up winning the game. rest is history. It's a tough way to go out. But, yeah, man, universally, I mean, you saw people pretty much everywhere, uh, all national media outlets saying Memphis got shafted. And I've seen some bad, bad, terrible calls uh, go against certain teams, and you don't see the kind of outcry of of this team got shafted the way we saw with that game. So that lets you know how, how bad that was, man. Those officials need to be reprimanded in some kind of way. I don't know if they will or not, man, but in a, in a high leverage NCAA tournament game like that, man, you can't let a team end their season on something like that, man. So it was, it was rough, man. Gonna take a while to get over that one. If you're a Tigers fan, I know, cause some of the, my favorite Tigers ever, man, you had Kendrick Davis who was here for one year, felt like he's been a Biffy in all his life. And DeAndre Williams, his final year, two guys that really laid it all on the line for this team this year, man, to see them go out like that, man. I just hate to see it, especially 
if you don't know the Kendrick Davis story, I mean, he's been kids been through a lot. Uh, dad came up missing um, a couple years ago in, in Dallas. I mean, he had a kid the same year. He also had a cousin that that basically grew up with him. They lived together, grew up together. That he calls his brother. He died, and all these things happened within a month, a couple of months of each other. So he's had a rough go. He's played his entire career. Talked about how he came to Memphis because he wanted that final shot to go to the NCAA tournament, and Penny told him that he would get him there. I mean, he's been waiting his whole college career, like five years, to get there, and it ends like that, man. That's just a tough, tough way to go out, man. So, tough, man. It's going to take a while to get over it, but, uh, yeah, man, just a, a a blown call right there by by the officials to not give the Tigers their timeout because they not only were they calling timeout, it was they had clear possession at that point when they were calling the timeout, and they just didn't give it to them, man. So, brutal, brutal way to go out for the, for the Memphis Tigers for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So let's dive into it. Last night, before the Tigers game, the Memphis Grizzlies were playing <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs, if you want to call it that, because for three quarters of basketball, the Grizzlies were not playing the Spurs. They got buried. They were down as much as 29 points in the third quarter. They brought it back, tied it up, ended up winning that game in overtime, 126 to 120. Kenny Lofton Jr., Got some first quarter minutes. That was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I think definitely. all of us collectively as Grizzlies fans have been calling for this all season. He had 11 points, seven rebounds, four for six from the field. He made a three. He played well. John Conchar did not play many minutes in this game. He played four minutes and 32 seconds. Do you think that this is a shift? Do you think this is something – you know, Conchar played 15 in the Warriors game tonight, so that's obviously a bump up from the four. I know that the four or five is not going to be the norm for him, but there have been a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of chatter around, you know, should Conchar be in the lineup, should he not be in the lineup? There are analytics guys that bring up numbers, and, and I talked about it here on the show about the lineups with him in there and how good they are. So do you feel like there? there's no doubt that John Conchar, let me start with this. There's no doubt that John Conchar can play impactful basketball without necessarily putting up many stats on the board. The hustle plays, the defense, the rebounding, you, you typically know what you're going to get from Conchar with the exception of like there, there's – vast inconsistency on what his stats are going to look like. We can all, I think, I'm going to assume that we can all agree that David Roddy has a higher ceiling than John Conchar. I think that Kenneth Lofton Jr. has a higher ceiling than John Conchar. Jake LaRavia has a higher ceiling than Conchar. And, And the list goes on of players that are playing behind him. Am I saying that John Conchar should not be on this team? No. What I am saying is that I would rather see his minutes go to a guy that could develop and be more impactful than John Conchar. Do I get mad and turn my TV off when the Grizzlies put him in the rotation? No, and and I'm not. I'm going to support him. I'm going to root for him. I want him to do good things because I like the Grizzlies. But at the end of the day, you can you can come with all the analytic stats and talk about, you know, oh, he's an analytic darling, he doesn't make any mistakes, da da da. 
I see that. I, I look into that. I see all the lineup crap. I get that side of it. But what I'm not going to listen to is somebody trying to tell me that David Roddy does not have a higher ceiling than John Conchar because that's just crap. So I, for me, I'm fine with Conchar being on the roster. I'm fine with Conchar getting minutes when there are injuries. But when everybody is healthy, when Adams comes back, which he, I, I, we will not see him before the playoffs. There's a chance that we don't see him for the rest of the season. When Adams and Ja comes back, John Conchar should not see any minutes. David Roddy has shown enough to be in this rotation. And you could even shorten it. Right now, if you look at who played in this Golden State game tonight, Final score tonight's game, 133 to 119. We're really going to dive into it a little bit here in a minute. But Dylan, Jaron X, Bain, Tyus, Santi, Kennard, Roddy. If you run an eight-man rotation without Conchari, and again, I, I said it, I believe that Lofton Jr. has a higher ceiling than John Conchar. Is Lofton going to go in there night in and night out and produce more than Conchar? I don't know yet. I think that he needed some development time, but it wouldn't surprise me if you saw, if you gave Lofton the minutes that you're giving Conchar, if you saw more production and better stuff happen when Lofton was on the floor. But you have eight guys right now that are healthy that you can play an eight-man rotation and not play Conchar, and it would be fine. So I'm I'm taking a long time to circle the wagon here, Isaac. My question to you is do you feel like as we move forward in the season, John Moran is clear to come back on Monday? Is he coming back on Monday? We don't know yet. But do you think that there's any chance that we see Conchar fall out of the rotation because of what Roddy has been able to do? Man, it, it, it's hard to see uh, with, with Taylor Jenkins or, or Tyler Jenkins, as they kept calling him on, an, on a national broadcast the other night. Uh, it, it's, it, it's hard to see him completely falling out of the rotation because We've seen time and time again, no matter what's going on, he still seems to to find his way on the floor. Uh, and I'm not one of the people that just says, just get rid of the guy, because I think he's a good guy to have on your roster. But I think he, for me, he's a breaking case of emergency guy. If you have, excuse me, even when the team is not not healthy and you have a, a lower amount of guys, I still don't think he should be getting minutes. Like, even right now, I, I don't think he should be getting minutes. Every, every minute that he gets, I think you could give Roddy those minutes. I think you could sneak some lineups in and try to find a way to get Lofton on the floor. I just don't think he should be playing. And I think when you look, people put those numbers out and those analytics and those lineups, but I think a lot of that, those numbers are due to him being on the floor with Jared Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, or both. I think that helps him defensively. I think that's why you see some of the better numbers. I don't think it's so much him. I think it's more has more to do with the players that he's playing with. Uh, because I mean, you, 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 people, you have eyes when you watch him out there. There's a lot of times where he's just not doing anything like nothing. He doesn't necessarily turn the ball over anything, but he's got this nickname. Now people start calling him cardio and there are times where that's exactly what's going on. Like tonight. I mean, he had played 12 minutes at four fouls, didn't score. He only had a couple of rebounds. I mean, that's, he's not even, he's not even rebound. Like people talk about his rebounding and stuff. He's not even doing that as well as he was last year. He was a better shooter last year. He's not knocking down threes at the same rate. I mean, he's just – he's a minute stealer. I mean, that's just kind of – I I hate to 
to, to pile on a guy because, again, I don't hate him. I mean, if, if you are in a situation to where you have to play him, there are definitely worse guys in the league that teams would put out there on the floor if they're in that spot than the contract. So I, I just think he, he should, should be out of rotation. When, when when those guys come back, I think he definitely should be out of rotation. But I think when it comes to Taylor Jenkins, man, and, and, and Contra, I think he'll he'll find a way to get, get him out there somehow. Uh, but I, I did want to touch on Lofton. Um, I was in the Grizzly space this morning, and we were talking about discussing him this morning. And me and Candace kind of got in a conversation about it this morning as well. She's kind of on the side of, well, he just wasn't ready. Uh, he wasn't ready to play. And I just have a total, totally different thought train thought train on that. Um, when, when you look at the guys, guys that they drafted, I mean, and, and like I said, I used to work with rivals. Um, I did a lot of high school recruiting. Uh, I watched a lot of college basketball. Kim Lofton Jr. has been better than anybody else they drafted in his class on every level. On the high school level, he was a, a, a big-time recruit. He was a big-time player in college. He was on the U-17 team playing with guys like Chet Holmgren, um, R.J. Barrett, different guys uh, on uh, – not R.J. Barrett, but different guys, different other lottery picks um, on that, US, that, that USA team. And he there were times where he looked like the best player on the floor. And yeah. you're talking about guys oh, that yeah. went in the lottery. And yeah. even going back to summer league, you saw when he went up against Chet Holmgren, I mean, just out there putting my guy in the weight room out there in that game. And he looked by far like the best rookie in summer league. And then pre preseason came and he played in that first game. And that was pretty much it. He got in witness protection. And I said this early in the season and a lot of people laughed about it. I was like, man, the reason why Lofton is not getting minutes, it, it, it's, it's partly political because you have two guys in David Roddy and Jake LaRavia that, you drafted in the first round. You're paying them first-round money, and here's this guy that's undrafted free agent. They decided that they, they were going to push the guys that they drafted in the first round because they had money tied up in them, and this organization is different. They're, they're unique, and when they have a plan for something, they stick to it, and I think their plan for Lofton this year was we're going to let him develop in a GG league. That's what we're doing, and that's we're going to stick to it, and that, I think that's kind of what you saw there. I'm People might disagree with me, but I feel like if they had given Lofton the same push, and I know people are going to say, oh, where the big rotation wasn't there um, and, and all of that. But hypothetically, if they had given Lofton the same push that they gave David Roddy earlier in the season and they tried to give LaRavia before they kind of st- shut him down and just sent him to the G League, I believe we'd be having a different conversation right now because I've Lofton is a ball. I mean, there's no question about it. People can talk about the defense, and yes, there's some issues to work on there, but there are a lot of guys. There are other guys on this team that don't play defense that get minutes. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that are just offensive guys that don't play a lot of defense. But, I mean, he's super high IQ. Uh, he, he's smart. He can pass. I mean, he can, he can shoot the basketball. He can finish at the rim. You can see he can offensive rebound. Um, I think he's underrated. Like, he's not athletic, but he's learned to play at that size. And kind of like you saw with, with Kyle Anderson, there's some things that he can do that, like he did a pump fake in the San Antonio game and drove all the way to the basket. And it's so unorthodox that people don't know how to deal with it, and it works. It's weird because he is so unathletic. It's like slow developing, but this stuff works because people are not used to seeing it. Um, and he can get buckets. There, There's no question about that. So I'm just going to send a shout-out to him, man. Shout-out to, to Jenkins for giving him the opportunity. I couldn't believe it when he came in the game at that point because that's kind of the first time he's gotten non-garbage time minutes all year. And he produced uh, even even when he comes in those garbage time minutes. You'll look up; he'll play three minutes and have ten points. I mean that that even in garbage time, that's 
pretty impressive for a guy that really hasn't played NBA minutes. So I'm, I'm just glad, man, that he got a chance to come out there and show a little bit what he's gonna what he can do. I don't necessarily think that's something we're gonna see going forward. Hopefully, these two rocket games that they got coming up next week against a team like that, maybe you can sneak him in there, get him some minutes there because I think he's gonna be a player for this team um, in, in the years to come. I, I I'm a big believer in his talent. It, it's different than than anything probably that you're seeing kind of in a modern day NBA, but I think he could be really effective. Uh, I mean, the defense is gonna gonna be a question mark. But like again, there's a lot of guys in the league that defense is a question. But he can definitely go out there and get you buckets, man. Can shoot from the perimeter, can go inside. Also, the screen setting uh, look really good um, in the game against San Antonio. So, man, shout out to Junior. Uh, glad he's put in the work, man. Hopefully, again, man, this is a, a guy that sticks around here, and we can see him develop into the player that I feel like he could be. Yeah. So Jenkins was asked about uh, Kenneth Lofton, and he talked about the the work that he's put in, him earning it. My, I'm kind of somewhere in between. Like I, I'm not on the side that he absolutely had to go to the G League to get that development time, but I, I think the questions in his defense were the reason that that happened. And a lot of the stuff that you mentioned about that was was absolutely correct. There's plenty of guys that go out here that that are are subpar defenders that get rotation minutes in the NBA. So do you have enough around him? Do you have the players around him that you can put him in there and kind of hide him on the defensive end where you only need him to be serviceable? And I think that the Grizzlies do – I don't know how much of it we'll see. I the there's so many moving parts whenever it comes to deciding who's getting rotation minutes and who's not. If Brandon Clark was healthy right now, would he have been getting those minutes? I think the Probably answer not. to that question is no. But I'm glad to see that he is getting them. You mentioned that 17 U team, and I and I didn't know if you were going to say it or not. But there were definitely times when Kenneth Lofton carried that team. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. saying something. If you pull up the names that were on that roster and you look at it, Kenneth Lofton would not be the name that you would be like, okay, this is the one that was carrying them. But there were definitely times that that was happening. So he he has the talent. One thing that I feel like is blown out of proportion for him is, is his size. You look at, at – the history of the NBA, there have been plenty of guys at his size that have been able to play that position and be effective at it. And the one that he kind of, I know that, man, I I hate to say it because I, I don't like making comparisons to legendary players, but Lofton six seven playing the power forward. Typically, you want a guy to have a little bit more size than that. You gonna go Charles Barkley? Hell yeah! One of the best power yeah. forwards to ever play the game was six foot six, and he went out there. He could go out there and get buckets. He was never a great defender, but he worked, and he was able to be a serviceable defender. And I'm not sitting here saying that Kenneth Lofton Jr. is going to turn into Charles Barkley, but don't tell me that because he's six seven two seventy five that he can't play the four that too. The weight is not that big of a deal. I think people focus on that too much, but if you see Kenneth Lofton in person, 
if you read what people write about him and you read what people say, yeah, it's like this, 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 this it's like out of this state dude, fat dude out here. Yeah, he's <laughs> as as wide that. as he is tall. Yeah, and it's not even close to that, man. I had never seen Kenneth Lofton in person until media day this year. And then after seeing him in person, I'm like, where is all this shit coming from, man? He, it, it just it blew my mind. I did I did not expect when I saw him, he walked in the room and I'm like, okay, yeah, these dudes are making way too big of a deal about this. So anyway, I, I don't want to keep beating on that. It, it was really, really good to see him get early minutes and be productive. I don't know how much we'll see it moving forward, but if we see more of it, I will be happy for sure. And I know that there'll be a lot of other Grizzlies fans that are happy as well. But let's dive into tonight's game against Golden State. I'm going to start with Dylan Brooks. Seven for ten from the field, four for four from three. Three assists, three rebounds, and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson combined, combined for 30 points on 11 of 32 from the field. How how much does Dylan have to do? There's still do you think that Dylan is a grizzly moving forward? We'll start with that just to show you yes or no. Do you think that he and when when we hit off season he's going to be a free agent? Do you feel like he is a grizzly moving forward? It, it, it's such a tough question because at different points of the year, if you had asked me that, I would have had a different answer. Right now, I would probably say yes. Uh, I always thought there was a chance because I think I don't think he wants to be anywhere else. I, I think this is where he wants to be. He talks about this all the time. And, I mean, you if you notice, he was talking about when, when him and Dray, Draymond Green were having a back and forth, he was saying, well, we'll see what Golden State does with you uh, next year or whatever. So he seems like he's planning on being here. And I, I think, I don't think he has any thoughts of being anywhere else in his career. Uh, I think he loves being here. He loves the role that he has here. And I don't know as far as salary wise, what concessions that he'd be willing to make or how much degrees we're willing to pay him. But I, I, I just have a feeling that they're going to come to some type of agreement. And I think he does. A lot of Grizzly fans aren't going to like this, but I, I think Dylan Brooks ends up back here. If you had asked me this, Early in the season and, and last offseason, I would have said during offseason, I would have said no way. Um, I thought that by the trade deadline, and I said it time and time again that they would move him because, but that was kind of under the assumption that Zaire Williams was going to take that leap that we kind of all thought he was. And once that didn't happen, that kind of changed my mind. And now he's even, I mean, and I got to give him his flowers, man. Since John Morant has it, been out, on and off, I mean, I think. Uh, the, the stuff that he was saying off the court, I think a lot of that was strategically done to kind of try to take some of the heat off the team for the job stuff. I mean, he's stepped up there, and he stepped up his play on the court. I mean, these last two games, I mean, he's been shooting basketball. I mean, hit the, the three to tie last night. I mean, Dylan Brooks, 4-4 four, four from three tonight. Like, when's the last time we've seen a game like that from him? I mean, it's been a while uh, since we've seen him. It's 7-10 from the field. I mean, he was just doing it all tonight, man. He had, had the the, the – Best defensive player of the year level. Defense going. I mean, he's knocking down shots. Super efficient. And if man, if you could even get seventy percent of the Dylan that we got tonight uh, on, on a regular basis, I mean, you got a real, real player. I, I, I don't know what happened. Sometimes I don't know what switch with him, but I mean, he's knocking down shots confidently now. And there's a time where he was just missing shots and not 
not even close uh, on his jumper. And he's 4-4 tonight, man, 7-10 from the field, just doing everything you want him to do on both ends and being that efficient player. And when you see him play like this, you're like, man, this team can't do without this guy. I, I even say that even when he's struggling, that if the, if you lose this guy, people that want him out of, just out of the door, they're going to see how much this team misses him. But when he's playing like he's playing now, he really shows you how important he is to this team. So if you had to ask me today, I, I said that I think they find some happy medium and that he ends up back here. But I know a lot of Grizzly fans, that's not what they want to hear because there are a lot of them, just, they're just out on him. I mean, they're ready for him to get out of here. They're tired of what they call his antics and everything like that. But you need you need a guy that brings an edge uh, to this team. And, I, and I've said that time and time again. We both talked about that. And if you go back to the grit and grind days, they had a guy, Tony Allen, that was like that. You need those type of guys. Almost every, And you go back back in the day, Dennis Rodman was a guy that was like that. I mean, you need those kind of kind of wacky guys, the guys that are that are going to bring the edge to the team. And if you lose him, if you're not bringing in a, a, another guy, because this team, when you look at this roster, they don't – you get rid of – when you got rid of Melton and, and Kyle Anderson, you got rid of most of your perimeter defense. I mean, not that Bain is a terrible defender. He's a ever-improving defender. But Dylan is really, and I guess some people would say Kuntar, uh, but Dylan is really your only perimeter defender on this team, a guy that you can really rely on. And if you're going to get rid of him, you better make sure you're bringing something in because if you if you lose him and you don't bring a guy in that can, can really guard on the perimeter, your that team, that this defense is going to suffer. I don't think there's any question about that. Analytics will tell you how different this defense is when he's on and off the floor. And I mean, they even struggle still at times now guarding the perimeter. If you lose him, I mean, you're going to be in trouble if you don't bring anybody else. So the person that you're bringing back in can guard on the perimeter. So I, I, I love what he's doing, man. I want to give him his flowers, man. Since Jaws went down, uh, been out, he's been fantastic uh, for this team. And I think probably topped it off tonight, probably with his best performance. Yeah, it's, I don't know what he has to do. Uh, I was talking with a guy earlier. And we were discussing it, and he said, how come this fan base always focuses in on, like, one thing? If if you rewind, you know, there were times Dylan was shooting this team uh, out of games. His shot selection is shooting them out of games. And then Jaron, and he needs to go inside more. Jaron needs to rebound more. Jaron can't stay out of foul trouble. You just keep going down the list, and it seems like the – I enjoy conversation, but I like for it to be a variety. And it seems like when somebody is doing something, this fan base – and it may be every fan base in the NBA. I'm not involved in every fan base in the NBA. But it seems like fan bases hone in on one thing and just beat it way past the dead point. And just keep rehashing it. It's Dylan, it's Jaron, it's Coach Jenkins, it's Conchar. Where does it stop? Where does it stop with him? What does Dylan have to do? He's coming in here night in and night out. The stuff that he's doing right now, if you put him on the grit and grind teams in place of Tony Allen and he's playing the kind of defense he's playing – and shooting the ball as well as he does on cash and shoot shots, that team wins a championship. Oh, no doubt. And, and no question you, about it. You can't just go out and get six six guys that can handle the ball, that can create their own shot. He does have the ability to create for others. He does not do it often, 
but he does have that ability. So it, I don't know what you're going to replace him with. And that's something if you're listening to the show and you're one that wants to see Dylan Brooks gone from this roster, let me know who you think that they're going to replace him with. And if it's making a trade, I want to know what you think they're going to send out in order to get somebody in return that will bring the kind of production that Dylan brings to this team. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend that I don't get frustrated because there are times where I'm super frustrated and I'm almost out on them, but then I have to take a step back and really back in and, 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 and think, okay, well, I know how much he means to this team uh, on a defensive end and their edge and in that locker room and that he's still, even when he's struggling to shoot the basketball, he plays a big time role on this team because a lot of those games, even though he's taking those bad shots, they weren't. They wouldn't even be in position for those shots to matter if it wasn't for his his efforts on the other end. And I think that's what you have to look at. I know he's super polarizing, and I, I get it. I understand why some fans get frustrated with him because I get frustrated with him. But I, I I've tried to stay in the middle. Um, I've never been really a let's get him out the door guy. I've never been a I'm on the, the Dylan Island guy. I've been kind of in between. But I mean, you have to put it in perspective how much he means on the other end. And if you lose him you will really see how much you miss him on that end. And so I'm willing to take some of the Jekyll and Hyde stuff because I, just because of that fact. Because if you move him, I don't know who you're going out and get. If you're going to go out and get a Mikael Bridges, okay, I, I, I get that. But those guys are not easy to acquire. If you can go out and get a Dalen Brown, I'm like, okay, well, we can, we can move on from Dylan. But, again, man, those guys are not easy to acquire, bro. And I just – people talk about OG, and I just don't think he's that guy. Like, I don't – I got a bad feeling that they're going to make another run at OJ, OG this this offseason. I think the price might go down a little bit, especially because he's going to be on expiring next year. You might be able to get him for a little lower, but I still think Majuri's not going to give up a guy either. If you're making a trade with Toronto, it's not going to be – you're not going to fleece them at all. So whatever it is, I think it's still probably going to be a pretty high exit price, even though he's on expiring. But I got a feeling – that they're going to they're make a rather run there. If they were interested in the trade deadline, they're probably going to renew that interest. I just, I just, that's just not the guy I want. It's not that I don't like him as a player. I just think his value has been overblown. Um, and because you look at some of the numbers, there's some bad stuff in his, his offensive game. Uh, when you, when you look at the numbers and also people don't take into account that he's been injury prone pretty much his whole career. And we've had bad luck with bringing guys in that have been injury prone, man. I'm just, out on that and I just don't think he's a big enough upgrade if, if you're moving on from Dylan you're going to bring him in I don't think he's the upgrade to this roster that people think they will I don't think they were there they'd be much of a better team with him than they would be just if you had Dylan they that might might be maybe slightly better his efficiency numbers aren't his efficiency numbers aren't even fantastic I mean he's not like this is the most efficient guy in the league he his numbers aren't great in that area either so I don't know. Um, I just think it's hard to bring somebody in or, or, or think of a guy that you could possibly bring in that's attainable that could give you what he gives you on that defensive end, and they need that uh, on this team because they don't really have it outside of that on the perimeter. So I, I think they found a way to keep him here. I, I think the guys love him. Um, again, he brings that edge to this team, and I think he wants to be here. Uh, and so I think somehow they find a way to, to work that out, and I think he, he stays here. Again, a lot, I know a lot of Grizzly fans – I'm going to want to hear that, but that's how I think it plays out if I had to predict. Yeah, I, I think he's a Grizzly moving forward as well. Uh, this offseason, 
I'm always like I, I don't ever want to rush to the offseason. I hope that the Grizzlies are involved in the last game of the season for the NBA as a whole, not just the end of their season. I mean, meaning that uh, that, that they get to the finals. Um, I, I want to talk about Stones. He had his first career triple double in the Spurs game. Played well. Then he comes back tonight on basically no rest. You know, back to back, they fly in, they get in late. So little to no sleep, 13 points, 14 assists from him. Career high in a, in a fifth, 14 tonight. No turnovers. And and this is something I, I've said it time and time again that it's easy. He is easily the best backup point guard in the league. And there are a lot of places he could go and be starting. There there are a number of different starting point guards that I would I would take Tyus Jones over them to to run my team. And what he has done, this body of work that he has put together when John Morant, since John Morant has been out, just adds to that. It just adds fuel to to what I'm saying that he could easily go, you know, I would have to go down the list and look at point guards in the NBA, but there's not a ton of them that are starting right now that I'm taking over Tyus Jones. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it all the time, man. He's just what I call his business-like. He's business-like on the floor. Like, he doesn't do a lot of wild things. I mean, he just handles his business. When he's running the offense, he just goes down. He's cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't barely ever makes any mistakes. He just makes the right play. He He's really good at deciding when to go to his offense or when, when to pass the basketball. He just does a really good job uh, just running offense, and, and you don't have to worry about him making a lot of mistakes. He's not going to do anything wild. He's usually super efficient with, with his offensive game. He's really improved his shooting, and that's a big aspect because Ty Jones wasn't a shooter, and he's turned himself into a really, really good, reliable three-point shooter. Like when he shoots the basketball from three now, I expect it to go in. I don't think a lot of people – talk about that enough i know we talk about the shooting on his team and the lack of it but i don't think he gets enough credit for how consistent he's been as a shooter i mean he had that downturn for about a month and a half that we talked about but outside of that the, the last last year and, and, and this year outside of that bad stretch he's been a really really good three-point shooter this team for this team shoots a pretty high volume and shoots it confidently and when jaw's out i mean he 100 looks like a, a a starting point guard i don't think there's any question about that i mean when when he's had to step in i mean he's really really stepped in and i don't think it's just a guy that's getting you through i mean he looks like he could be the starting point guard on this team and just a career high 14 assists tonight man no 14 assists and no turnovers that's insanity for, for a guy to have 14 assists and not turn the ball over once so that just shows you that you can trust him and, and, and the lack of mistakes that he makes i mean he's been fantastic uh, i know people look at that contract and say that's a a big contract uh, for, for your backup point guard. But I, I just look at it as, especially, I mean, you look at this bench. I mean, they need him even to come in and score. I mean, that's a big role on this team. And I don't, I don't look at him just as a backup point guard, kind of just a backup guard, a guy that just comes in, he can, can run the offense, he can, he can score at times or uh, much better than he could in the past. And I just love what he does. Um, and uh, again, man, since John's been out, he's stepped up just like he always does. And, and another Huge game tonight, man, plus 12 in, in 30 minutes. And I, I'm just keep looking at that number, man, 14 assists and no turnovers. That's just that's just big time. You're not going to see many guys 
have a, a double digit assist number and not even have a single turnover. Uh, but that's something that he's pretty much done his whole career. I mean, just steady and, and run the offense. Just like I said, business like cool, calm, and collected, makes the right pass, makes the right play. And, and he's really been doing it as of late. Uh, does a big game tonight for him. Um, and I just love what he's doing. Um, and I, I'm not mad at the contract at all. I know a lot of outsiders, some of the difference I've had conversations with people, and they were like, when you have John Morant, why would you pay a guy that much money to be your backup point guard? And like I said, man, you see nice like tonight, and that's why. That's why you pay him that money, because he's earned it. I mean, that's no question about that. And as you said, there's a lot of places, a lot of point guard, starting point guards that you look around the league, and I agree, I would rather have Tyus Jones starting for me than some of those guys that, that, that are out there. Yeah, while you were talking, while you were speaking on on Tyus, I pulled up a list of the 30-point guards to start the season, and there were 8 to 12 of them that I would take Tyus Jones over, and that was just a brief look. There may actually be more than that. But, but that that is when you say, okay, there's 30 teams, and you say 8 to 12, but that means that like Tyus is inside the top 20 whenever it comes to point guards one of the the top 20 point guards in the entire world. And the fact that he's a backup on this team is only because the Grizzlies have one of the top five point guards in the league. And it's people that don't watch the Grizzlies don't understand how good Tyus Jones is and his ability to read the floor and put people in the right places in order to get 14 assists, your guys have to knock down the shots. So getting them in the right place with those passes, that's what gets you those assists. And and he is – that's one thing he's extremely elite at. Like he can get his guys the ball at the right time. And I don't know. I don't want to keep going on him. I feel like we, we've kind of – we've gassed him up enough. We, we could keep he, – he probably deserves a little bit more, but I'm not going to keep going. Let's talk about Jaron. And this performance tonight against the Warriors, this matchup for Jaron, whether it be Draymond Green or whatever, he always seems to struggle. Not tonight. <laughs> and he he's figured out a way. I watched what the Warriors were trying to do. They were trying to bait him into offensive fouls. If you, I've went back and watched a couple Warriors games, and in the games when Jaron gets into foul trouble. It's these guys drawing offensive fouls on Jaron. And I think that he has figured that out, that he knows that that's what they're trying to do. He ends, what do you have, three tonight? 31, 31 points. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't even talk oh, about fouls. fouls. Yeah, th- 31 points, seven rebounds, three assists for him, knocked down three threes, four block shots. They do not have an answer for him. They don't have anybody on their yeah. team that Mo- can both, guard him. Both teams don't. Both teams don't. That's, that's the – to think about it, but yeah, but Golden State especially does. Yeah, and you know Draymond Green, his Defensive Player of the Year, like that version of Draymond Green. No, nah, that, that ain't is him. No longer that, that, existing, that, that, that. man. He he he's not that guy anymore. Still a good basketball player, still a very impactful basketball player, but he's not a guy that they're going to put on Jaron and him be able to shut Jaron down. It won't happen. Kevon Looney. Too slow. Give Jaron the ball out on the perimeter and scoot like just basically clear out and leave Jaron one on one with Kevon Looney and I like the Grizzlies matchups <laughs> all night long. Yeah, with with, this, with Jared, I 
I've, well, I was gonna say I had that written down in my notes um, about Jerry tonight. Like the, the point that you made, he did a really good job of avoiding fouls, um, mm-hmm. going around guys not giving contact and able to score. And like you said, they just do not have an answer for him. And I was glad to see this because I think Draymond Green had some kind of mental thing over him, and I think he's blown through that. Even in the game before, he was much better than he usually plays against Draymond when, when he goes up against the Warriors. And this is the second time in a row. This is not only a great game. This is probably one of Jerry's better games of his career. Uh, I mean, just taking the ball, putting his head down, going to the basket. And I, and I love it because he realized he was calling for the ball. There was one time, I think, if there was Contrary that had the ball, he was calling for the ball. And I've been wanting him to do that. And we saw that. And he's been doing it. Did it some in the San Antonio game as well. When I, I love when he realizes that these MLs ain't got nobody that can guard me. And when he gets in that mode, He's pretty much unstoppable. Most teams don't have anybody to match up with him. And there have been times where I felt like they didn't get him the ball enough, but he's been actually being aggressive and calling for the basketball and getting it and going. And I love when I when he, when he gets in that mode because he gets unstoppable and it's beautiful to watch. I mean, he was just going at him tonight. Like, no question, no thought about it, no hesitation. I'm taking the I'm getting this basketball. I'm the baddest MF out here and I'm going to the hole and I'm gonna score. And that's what he did all night long. And they didn't have an answer for him, man. Just barbecue chicken all night. And, and that's the trip I want to see. People arguing about his all-star selection, say this guy's not, all, not an all-star. Man, watch this tape tonight. And we know what he can do on the defensive end. He's my defensive player of the year. People are starting to talk about Brooke Lopez now, man. That's pissing me off because Brooke Lopez ain't the defender that Jared Jackson is. Not even close. Like, he's, he's a good defender, but he's not doing what Jared's doing out there. And I hope they don't try to steal this from him, man, because he's he's been he's been like that all year. Like when when on the defensive end, he's him, as, as people say. And when he adds this, what, what he does tonight on the offensive end, he I mean he he looks like one of the best players in the league for, for mm-hmm. when when he's doing what he's doing offensively, offensively what he did tonight and what he does on the defensive end, man. So I was just glad to see that happen, especially against Golden State, because I think there's been this mental block with him going up against Draymond, and that gives me hope that if they get into a series with, with Golden State. Now that he knows that they don't have an answer for him, he's seen himself do it. So the, hopefully this is what we get from them if we get into a series. And I'm, I'm just glad to see him get past that mental block. Going back to the Spurs game, the Spurs, I, I have to listen to the visitors just the way that I get the Grizzlies games because of blackouts and stuff like that. Nine times out of ten, I have to listen to the visiting team commentary the Spurs commentary team were giving Jaron his flowers. He got switched in that game. He got switched on the Malachi Branham, and he was out there on an island. It was Jaron on Malachi Branham. And now, granted, Malachi Branham is not like a world beater. He is a rookie this year. I think that he is going to be a good NBA player. But he is a guard, and he's very quick. Jaron Jackson was able to stay in front of him and ended up blocking his shot. And... and if that happens with Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez gets cooked. Brooke Lopez is a good defender, but if he gets switched onto a guard on the perimeter, he's getting beat. And and we don't have to tear down Brooke to build Jaron up. Jaron's resume speaks for itself. I, I feel like sometimes people talk just to be talking. And I like for for example, the MVP conversation. The voter fatigue stuff pisses me off so bad. If a guy has the numbers 
he has everything in line and he should be the MVP. I don't care that he's won it two times in a row. If he deserves it, he deserves it. Joel Embiid is making a case. I think he's got like eight or nine 30-point games in a row, and that's really impressive. But I still think Nikola Jokic deserves the MVP. And yeah, they made, they made him. I was going to say Embiid's yeah. the favorite in Vegas now to win it. Uh, but I agree with you full wholeheartedly. I, I think if, whoever deserves to win it, I don't care if they won it 20 times in a row. If that's the guy, that's the guy. And I think they should win it. I mean, the, the award is not, oh, uh, well, it's the MVP unless you've won it two times in a row. Like, uh, does, I mean, I, it, that doesn't make sense to me. I And people have made that such a big deal. And I'm just, like, leading the shows. And I'm, like, tired of hearing about it. Like, I feel like I feel like Jokic is the MVP. I, I agree with you. And because I feel like there are times where Embiid takes games off. Uh, being a guy that, that, that kind of bets on, on games, I know. There, there are games where – this dude, because I think it was the Pacers they were going against, and they had Miles Turner wasn't playing. They had all kind of guys out, and he only had like three rebounds in that game. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. This Embiid is awesome, but I, I do feel like he takes games off. Jokic just does it, does it all. I, I mean, he's super consistent with with what he does. I, I feel like he's the best player, but I got a feeling that they're, they're going to give it to Embiid just because of voter fatigue, like we talked about. And it doesn't doesn't make sense to me, man. It didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine, man. That that that's fine. And it's obviously like if Jaron doesn't win, it's not voter fi- fatigue. I was making the point that sometimes people try to make cases for other guys just for the sake of argument. If you look at the body that we the body of work over the course of the year, Jaron Jackson Jr. should hands down be the de- defensive player of the year. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of basketball left. He has to continue to play at a high level, and I think the Grizzlies have to continue to win in order for him to get defensive player of the year. But when when you pull up the numbers, they don't lie. Jaron has the resume to be defensive player of the year. But unfortunately, we don't have a vote. Maybe that'll happen at some point. Who knows? I, I don't really have much of anything else. The Grizzlies, after beating the Warriors tonight, they are, whoa, where'd it go? I lost it. 43-27. and 27. And the Sacramento Kings may never lose a game ever again in their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like they're going to win out for the way it's yeah. going right now. Um, yeah, so they, they uh, well, I say that they just lost a few games ago, but they're eight and two in their last ten, and they've won like thirteen of fifteen or something crazy. It's like they're, they're playing really good basketball right now. So Grizzlies are tied. I think the Sacramento Kings own the tiebreaker there, so yeah. they're ahead of the Grizzlies, putting the Grizzlies as a three seed. They're setting in a good spot. You're setting in the three seed, four games behind the Denver Nuggets for the one seed, and actually three, actually three and a half now. Uh, Denver oh, yeah, lost yeah, again. Yeah. They lost it's... again today to the Knicks. I don't. I don't know if I necessarily want that one seed, kind of the way it's looking right now. Uh, I think the matchups are probably better at two and three, but Denver is trying their best to leave that door open for the Grizzlies in Sacramento. They're not closing at all. I mean, Mike Malone called them out, called them soft the other day, and they're still uh, going out and losing basketball games. So. They, they, that door looked like it was closed, but it's it, it's cracked open a little bit. I mean, if they drop a couple more, because the Grizzlies' schedule is, is easing up here. I mean, they got the Mavs again on Monday night. Looks like they're still going to possibly be shorthanded in that one. So, I mean, you, you there's the possibility that you have picked up three games against the Mavs very quickly. Then you got two with the Rockets, and you end the week at Atlanta. Those are probably four games that you probably should win. So, the Grizzlies got a lot of winnable games. Even the next week after that, I think you got – or Orlando at home, and I think you got two games against the Clippers at home. 
So the Grizz got an opportunity. You get job back. They got an opportunity to really put some, some wins there together. I mean, that door isn't closed on that one seed. How crazy would that be? I'm not saying it's going to happen or I believe it's going to happen, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility how crazy that would be that the Grizzlies ended up the one seed with everything that they've dealt with this year. Was the injuries, the, the, the job stuff off the court, everything that they've dealt with, they end up the one seed. I think that would be remarkable. I think at that point, even though we've questioned some stuff at times that Taylor Jenkins have done, if that happens, I think I don't see any way that you can't give him, you wouldn't give him coach of the year. That would be insanity if that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, I think that a lot of this talking from the media, from other NBA players, I think it's going to be fuel. And you saw it, Dylan, since the stuff with him and Draymond, he is really locked in. You're, you're getting super close to the end of the season here. So that's when you want to be locked in. You've got Ja coming back, and there's no doubt in my mind he's going to come back pissed off because of all of this chatter that's been going on. So this team, Jaron playing like he played tonight, I want to continue to see that aggressiveness from him moving forward. But I want to see what Ja, I feel like Ja is going to light the world on fire when he comes back just because of all of the trash talk and everything that has been going on around that situation. Yeah, I think for sure. I, I tweeted out the other day that I think he's going to go nuclear on the league. I know Taylor Jenkins said in his pregame availability tonight that he's chomping at the bit to get back with the team. Um, and he's eligible to return Monday. I don't think he'll play Monday, and I got a feeling he won't play Wednesday either. My prediction, even before I found this this fact out, I, I predicted that he'd come back in that second Rockets game, but that's also John Morant bobblehead night. So I think that's probably 100% the game that he returns back. It's a Friday night. Um, you're playing against a team that that's not that good. It gives him opportunity to work his way back in against a a, a, a lower tier team. It's John Morant, Bobblehead Knight just makes too much too much sense for that not to be the game. So, yeah, um, I think we're probably got two more games without him, and those, those are games that are winnable. I mean, if you get the Mavs short ended, um, and, and and the Rockets on, on Wednesday night, those are two games that you should be able to handle. No games are given in the NBA, but those are two teams that you should be able to get wins on. And, and and to go back to that San Antonio game, I meant to mention this earlier. That game is could be huge if if you're talking about even crazy something crazy like them getting up to the one seed, or even talking about two three. If they do end up holding on to that two seed, I think that game last night could be looked back on as that was the moment. That game was big that we had to have. You're down 29 in the third quarter. You come back to win that game because you're talking about this thing's going to come down to the last game of the season. I don't think with them in Sacramento, and even if Denver comes back to the pack, it, these are not going to be four or five game differences. These are going to be one, two games, and that game could be huge uh, in, in the grand scheme, for, for especially if you're talking about two, three. So that was a huge win for them to come back and get that, and then you follow it up with an, another big win against Golden State tonight, man. That's big to get that on the back-to-back, um, especially all that energy that you exerted to coming back. I know Golden State was in overtime last night, but that's, that's a big win, man, to come back and get – Come back, you're down 29 on the road. You should have been in that position. But to come back and able to get that one and then follow it up with a win tonight, I, I think that's big. And I think you can look back on that game last night and kind of this back-to-back as that's the moment where they kept themselves in position to end up with this two-seed. Yeah, the 13 games left in the season, stuff like that. Now, they should have been, been a bad loss. They, they that would have been a have bad, been bad loss. Yeah, yeah, heck yeah. You you should be down to that team. That team, that they have young, talented guys on that team, 
But this Grizzly squad should not have been down 29 points to that team ever. And I'm glad that they came back. But I almost I almost checked out on that game. And that's something that I typically don't do because usually you see somebody get down like that. You'll get some minutes from guys you don't usually get to watch. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep watching. Maybe we'll get uh, some Kenny Chandler run, something like that, and just kind of see what he's able to do. It didn't happen. They ended up fighting their way back into that game and winning it in overtime. Huge, huge win. The win tonight against the Warriors at home. I always love beating the Warriors. I love it even more. Anytime. The, Anytime. The, the Warriors fans like to show up at the FedEx Forum, although I do feel like Grizzlies fans are starting to show up a little bit more than what they had in the past. It seems like my first year as a season ticket holder, I feel like there were more Warriors fans than there were Grizzlies fans in the. Oh Florida, man, it used to be honestly. bad. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean the Warriors, the Lakers, the I mean a lot of teams, Boston. I mean it used to be really bad. Like when they when they played those teams, it would be more of those fans that are Grizzly fans. That's not the case anymore uh, since this team is is really taking off, um, and, and that's good to see because you don't like fans of other teams coming in there taking over your arena, man. That's not not what you want. Um, but a couple things I do, I know we're about to wrap up here. A couple things I do want to throw in first off of land, man, what the hell is going on with Zach Collins and who told him he was tough? Like he's been on one for like a week and a half, got into it with Michael Porter Jr. The other night, had a little dust up with the Grizzlies. He's kneeing guys in the back. Like what he, does he have something going on personally that, that he's <laughs> yeah. bringing on to the court? Cause this dude has been wilding for like a week and a half now. I don't know yeah. what's wrong. Cause I've never seen him act like that. He's been trying to act tough the last week and a half. I don't know what's going on with him. I heard... Uh, is he uh, going to be a, a free agent in the offseason <laughs> and he's trying to be the tough guy on a competitive team? Is that what he's trying to do? I, I don't yeah. know, man. Hey, I heard I heard of San Antonio, one of their guys, uh, beat writer or something uh, on, on a radio show. Someone, somebody asked him about that this morning. He was like, well, they had him in trade talks at the deadline and now since they put him in the starting lineup, he's, he's trying to be this tough guy. Um, and try to pretend like he's this tough guy because they put him in the starting lineup, but he's really not that. He's not, man. That dude don't want no smoke. He don't even want no smoke from Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. is not a guy that I think they won't smoke. So, yeah, man, I, he didn't he didn't want that last night with anybody on, on that Grizzlies team. But, but yeah, man, I, I just wanted to throw that in there because I've been seeing that going on over the last week and a half. Every, every game, he's like into it with somebody, and I've just never seen that from him. So that's definitely something new. So I thought that was kind of kind of funny. Yeah, you know, he's not a, a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. No, man, can knock down the three. But, you know, a, a big guy that, you know, he he I think he is a decent shot blocker. He could bring something to, like, as a bench player on a competitive team, I think that he could be a guy that would contribute. So, you know, going out here and taking this time, you know, play he played 35 minutes in that game against the Grizzlies. He had, I think, 24 and 8. Let me look. Yeah, he yeah. can. He can play. Like I, I don't have any question yeah. about him as a player. I mean, and I, I like. I'm, anytime a big man can can step out and knock down a three, that really helps. And again, he's not a bad defender. Uh, can can do it on the interior a little bit as well. I mean, he's he's a good basketball player. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, go out there and showcase yourself. You never know. I I think that he he. I don't know what the options are, but I think that he has like he's under contract next year, but it's not fully guaranteed. So the Spurs can cut him and not take any hit or something like his contract is weird. So he could be a free agent going into this off season. 
we'll see what happens with that. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him on a team on a, a competitive team next year because I think that he can contribute. He's not going to be a guy that gets you 24 and 8, night in and night out. But uh, he, he can't go out there and contribute to winning basketball. But no, he's not a tough guy. If he's your tough guy on your team, you're in trouble. <laughs> you got you out of issues, yeah. Sure, man. Green's going to be in the backup center market, so uh, they're going to be looking at whether that's in the draft or in free agency. That's a, a position of need. I think the wing, a uh, big wing, more length and defense on the wing, and also uh, a backup center. I think those are kind of the Grizzlies' main needs. So, I mean, that could be something that they end up visiting. Because, again, I, I think back up off the bench, and I just like the fact that he can can shoot as well. Like if any anytime you get you get a big that can add shooting as well, that's always always a plus. So he could be an interesting prospect. I don't know what the money would be like or what his market would be, but that that's something to look at going into the offseason. Yeah, what's a, I don't know what the MLE is right now, but I would guess probably somewhere around that. Uh, what an MLE is, I think. Yeah, it's probably like up to like I mean, twelve million or something. Of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's much higher than it used to be. I remember when it was like five and a half million or something. Now it's up to like 11 or something now, I think. Yeah. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Candace, I guess, did not get her technical difficulties worked out. She didn't make it with us. So you can find her. She's still going to be part of the team. We're just, uh, you know, technology hates us. This has been a rough year for the Sports Ethos Grizzlies crew. We've had a lot of ups and downs this yeah, year. It has. We haven't been able to uh, drop content as much as we'd like. But we're going to keep grinding, man. We're we're going to put them out as often as we can and try and get on a more regular basis here as the Grizzlies wrap up this season. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. Candace is at CandaceH901. I'm at NBA Dwill21. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Um, uh, a, a nice week of home games coming up for the Grizzlies. I mean, you got three in a row at home. Uh, Mavs possibly short-handed again on Monday. Uh, you got the Rockets on Wednesday. My prediction is you got the Rockets' second game. I got that's my prediction that John Morant will be back. Uh, John Morant bobblehead night. So then you're at Atlanta on Sunday, man. So those are four winnable games that you can keep this going. Um, uh, from so you can put some wins together and, and hopefully Sacramento finally drops a game and maybe we can get back in sole possession of second place. I would, I really want to stay in second because if you advance, that gives you home court advantage. I think that's big, especially with the Grizzlies having the second best home record in NBA. The only team that has a better record is the Denver Nuggets and altitude. We know how tough that is. So I think that's a real testament for this team. Even without John Morant, they still just continue to roll at, at 191 bill, man. So it's that that's that, I think that's really important for this team, the way they've struggled, struggled on the road, man. To have home court advantage for two rounds if you were advanced, I think that's big. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. We'll definitely be back uh, next week, uh, talking about breaking down that Mavericks game. Hopefully, another win for the Grizzlies. Uh, for David, I've been Isaac Simpson. Until next time, we go.